I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets podcast. Hello. <laughs> Today, we are going to present a case to you. As always, the cases that we go over are anonymous. That means that we have changed any identifying information about the patient or the owner or the veterinarian. And JJ is going to present the case. Uh, JJ, what is this dog coming in for today? So Bailey is a nine-year-old male. He's a castrated men-pin who presented originally for weight gain. Uh, owner is concerned because Bailey is very hungry and has gained a noticeable amount of weight relatively quickly. Hmm. Sounds like me, Bailey. I know, right? <laughs> Sounds like all of us. <sighs> uh, Bailey usually weighs around 15 pounds, but today he is clocking in at 21 pounds. Oh, dear. Uh, the six-pound weight gain has occurred over the past four months, and the owner has not noted any increased thirst or urination. Huh. Well, that's kind of, I mean, that's a lot of weight for a small dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, well, let's examine them. What are we finding? Okay. Patients, bright, alert, and responsive. Body condition score is eight out of nine. Uh, heart and lung sounds are normal. And the abdomen is palpating normally today. Uh, pet does have a pendulous abdomen, or also known as a pot-bellied appearance. Eyes and ears are normal. And a dietary calculation was performed, and the pet was found to be eating a reasonable number of calories per day. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, something is creating the weight gain. I definitely think it's a good idea to look at the calories first, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just make sure maybe the owner hasn't changed the food or, you know, done something different. Make sure they're not measured with a big gulp cup instead of, like, a measuring cup, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or feeding, you know... Eight cans of peanut butter a day or something weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said cans. Peanut butter doesn't come in a can, but I was just thinking sure about does. peanut butter and <laughs> can came out of my face, but, you know. Well, uh, hmm. okay, well, let's talk about some differentials for rapid weight gain despite kind of a normal calorie intake. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking endocrinopathy all the way. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah, so some problem with the endocrine system. And the two that I worry the most about, or I guess that we see most commonly, would be hypothyroidism. That's a low thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. And Cushing's disease, which is an increased production of steroid by the adrenal gland. Um, but the pet's not really having like all the classic symptoms of Cushing's disease. Uh, we can't rule it out based on what we're dealing with right now, but to me, that one's like maybe a smidge lower on the list because cushionoid dogs usually do have increased thirst in urination and Bailey isn't. Um, it doesn't seem like it's an overfeeding issue. I always sort of like really double and triple check that like there's no one new in the house. Um, <laughs> is there maybe an older family member who's having some cognitive impairment that's feeding the pet more? Is there a miscommunication and both partners think that they're the one feeding the pet? And mm -hmm. so the pet's getting four meals a day, you know? Are you babysitting a toddler <laughs> that likes to drop things? Right. Uh, 
You know, if my uh, if if my cats could trick someone into feeding them more, them more often, they definitely would, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we really investigate that and we don't see that happening, then I think an endocrinopathy is probably at the top of our list. So uh, that's where I would start. So in-house lab work was performed, which showed a mildly elevated alkaline phosphatase and a low total thyroxine, which is T4. So uh, hypothyroidism was suspected. Okay. Uh, You know, ideally, we wouldn't diagnose hypothyroidism or low thyroid hormone based on just a single total T4. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. I've done it. People have done it. It's Mm -hmm. commonly done. But in a perfect world, we wouldn't do that. Um, Ideally, we would run a full panel to know... Uh, some values like the free T4 and the TSH, and then all that information together can kind of give us a better picture of whether the patient truly is hypothyroid. However, you know, go ahead. Just my two cents. Yeah. The free T4. Uh-huh. It's not free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's meaning a lot of confusion expensive. over that. I mean, it's not, not meaning it's expensive, but a lot of times whenever... A medical staff member, be it doctor or whatever, goes over we're that we're going to do a free, T4. a free T4. I can't tell you how many clients were like, but they said it was free. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not free of charge. Oh, my God. <laughs> the name of the test. I have literally never even thought of oh, that. Tons of times. Tons. And maybe it's because we're the one going over the treatment plans most of the time. But, yeah, that has happened so many times. So I just oh. want to throw that in there. Oh, no. Shit ain't free. <laughs> I don't know how best to phrase it then. We're going to run a different T4 test uh-huh. called the free T4, although it's not really free. <laughs> the free is referring to the level of unbound hormone in the body and not to the level of dollars it costs to run it. Mm-hmm. Important. Maybe put that asterisk <laughs> into, the, into the code there so that it always mm-hmm. comes up. Lord. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, ideally we would do this type of panel, but, um, it's a $3 sign type of test. Okay. So sometimes owners decline it. And then in a dog with clinical symptoms of hypothyroidism and a low total T4, I mean, I think it's reasonable to start thyroid replacement. I certainly wouldn't start thyroid replacement if the dog was asymptomatic and just randomly had a low total T4. I, I think that's probably, you know, not supportable with evidence but but in this case i think i mean it's reasonable just make sure the owner is on the same page like hey this is presumptive like we don't have a firm diagnosis we skipped a couple steps so um if we start a trial of thyroid medicine or levothyroxine and we're not seeing like pretty good response then that would be a sign that we don't have the right diagnosis so we would want to definitely follow up with those guys really closely mm-hmm. and then Always remember, uh, anytime you're dealing with a total thyroid reading, that reading can be artificially low in the face of any type of chronic disease, and that's called thyroid syndrome. So. so in this case, they started the pet on a thyroid supplementation at 0.1 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight, and that was given twice a day. Okay. Uh, however, the pet was also scheduled for a low-dose dexamethasone suppression test Cushing's disease, and those results were ultimately normal, so no sign of Cushing disease. Okay. I, I think that test is a reasonable option. I mean, the dog had an elevated alkaline phosphatase. It's got 
weight gain. You know, it's not polyuric and polydipsic, but like a small percentage of Cushing's disease patients aren't. So I think this is a reasonable thing. For screening, a low-dose dexamethasone suppression test is a good starting place. It can be, quote, falsely positive for Cushing's disease if the pet has another illness. So uh, you probably wouldn't diagnose this dog based on a low-dose dex alone. But the fact that the low-dose dexamethasone suppression test is normal, for me, pretty much rules Cushing's disease out. Now, Mm -hmm. we aren't going to cover Cushing's disease in depth in this episode. We will (laughs) definitely cover it eventually. But spoiler alert, that's not what the dog has. It's not our focus today. So we started the patient on thyroid supplementation. What is the next chapter in our story? So Bailey was started on levothyroxine for hypothyroidism and given instructions to recheck thyroid levels in about 30 days. Meanwhile, an exercise plan was (laughs) instituted and initially the owners reported he was more energetic. Okay. However, three weeks after starting the levothyroxine, the PEP was presented for a recheck. The main complaint was appearance and vision loss. Oh, no. Yikes. Yeah, the owner was quite worried that the thyroid medication could have created the blindness in the patient. Hmm. Okay. Uh, We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Let's first talk about what was found on the recheck exam. So the pet was definitely unable to see. There was no menace response, and the pet ran into objects in the room. Oh, dear. Well, he definitely sounds blind. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Dr. Narek, uh, the neurologist, talked about menace response briefly during our neurology episode a few weeks ago. Essentially, this is a response that involves blinking when an object comes towards your eye. So it's not a measure of pure vision. It actually assesses two things, your ability to see something coming at your eye, so your vision, and then your ability to respond to it by blinking. So it actually assesses the, um, the physical ability to blink this patient, though, if the palpebral reflex is normal, basically you touch, touch, touch on the face and the pet's blinking, then we know like, okay, this pet can close its eye, but then we do a menace response and the pet doesn't, then that would be more towards the vision side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uncool. So did we see anything else on physical exam? Yeah, there was a decreased pupillary there was a decreased pupillary light response or PLR. Normally the pupil should constrict or get smaller when the light source is shined into the eyes. Bailey's pupil showed minimal response to light. Okay. Um well, I think we can already say that this is not likely due to the thyroid medicine, okay? Um so I actually took a a a, a sidebar here and researched does levothyroxine cause blindness? And I couldn't find any reports of a blindness as a side effect of levothyroxine administration. However, if you do search levothyroxine and blindness on veterinary message boards, you will find a lot of threads in which overweight dogs are diagnosed with thyroid disease and then suddenly go blind. In these cases, however, it's not really the levothyroxine or even the thyroid disease that's causing the blindness. Instead, there is one differential diagnosis that seems super likely in those cases and in Bailey's case, and it's not super common. And that disease is Sudden Acquired Retinal Degeneration, or SARD, S-A-R-D. What's that? Okay, let's break down the name. So, sudden, it happens quickly. Usually, vision deteriorates super rapidly. 
acquired. In this context, we're talking about something that developed over time and not something that the pet was born with. Retinal degeneration, literally a breakdown of the retina. So the result is blindness that comes on quickly and isn't reversible. Hmm. Sorry, I got distracted. The weather alert went off. We're about to have a severe thunderstorm. Oh, really? Good times. Okay. Well, hey, like if a tornado comes in the middle of the podcast, just be like, gee, there's a tornado. And then hide. Welcome to Alabama, bitches. (laughs) Okay. Usually we talk about several differential diagnoses. Are there any other issues to consider? Well, there are a couple of other differentials for blindness, definitely. But with the clinical signs uh, leading up to the blindness in this case, I think that all of them are much less likely than SARD. For the sake of thoroughness, though, let's briefly discuss a few differential diagnoses. And I'm just going to use the list that is included in the Vencyclopedia entry for sudden acquired retinal degeneration. And those include optic neuritis, cortical blindness, and progressive retinal atrophy. Now, I don't think that any of these is likely. So with optic neuritis, usually the PLR was absent in optic neuritis, but that wasn't the case with Bailey. His was just decreased. Mm -hmm. So optic neuritis would be like, I think, less likely. Cortical blindness is another option, but dogs with this issue Uh, Also have a dazzle response, which Bailey didn't have. Dogs with SARD usually have an absent dazzle response. Did we talk about dazzle? I don't think so. What's dazzle? That's interesting. Dazzle is like when uh, you startle suddenly for um, bright light. Mm -hmm. That startling blinking that you do when the room is dark and suddenly someone turns a light on. Mm -hmm. And then progressive retinal atrophy uh, this is typically associated with slow progressive vision loss, which is, isn't really the case in Bailey's case. Bailey's vision uh, loss happened like all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that going through this mental exercise of identifying differential diagnoses is super helpful. So in any case, you always need to be thinking like, what are the other things it can be? And that will help kind of keep you honest so you don't develop clinical tunnel vision about your suspicions. And the Vencyclopedia is a great resource for refreshing your memory on these differential diagnoses. They actually have individual entries for each disease process. And down towards the bottom of each of the articles, a differential list will literally be included on the page. And it's a really good way just to double check, like, have I considered all the possible options here? Uh, Am I definitely on the right track? For this patient, I think SARD is at the very top of our list, and all other diagnoses are at the bottom for right now. So I think it makes sense to investigate whether SARD is present first and then go from there. So what causes SARD? Well, we don't know for sure. Uh, There are several proposed mechanisms, including autoimmune disease or neuroendocrine disease. Uh, It's not associated with like cancer or anything like that. Apoptosis, which is programmed cell death, has some sort of a role, we think, in the widespread destruction of photoreceptors, but we don't know for sure what causes that initial trigger. When people with dogs who have SARD have been given in-depth questionnaires, those owners failed to reveal any sort of common environmental factors that might be contributing to the diagnosis. What we do know is that the blindness happens when the photoreceptors in the retina stop working. 
First, there's a loss of outer photoreceptors. Then inner segments become affected, along with the rods and cones. And this leads to thinning of the outer layer of the retina. The inner layer then degenerates over several months to years. Most of the time, we become suspicious of SARD as the cause just simply due to the clinical signs. So, JJ, what type of clinical signs will we be seeing in our cases of SARD? Dogs with SARD typically have a history of either sudden blindness or rapid vision loss over several days to weeks. In one study, most owners perceive the blindness as progressing over less than two weeks. So it's generally quite fast. In some patients, vision loss has been reported in a matter of hours. Wow. Signs are consistent with the typical signs of vision loss, things like bumping into the objects, hesitancy or refusal to go up and down stairs, difficulty finding toys. Sometimes the vision loss is accompanied by signs that look a lot like Cushing's disease. Those are lethargy, weight gain, polyuria, polydipsia, and or polyphagia. Polyuria, which is frequent urination, polydipsia, frequent drinking, and um, polyphagia being an increased appetite. Hepatomegaly, which means liver enlargement, may also be present, and liver enzyme elevations may be seen on lab work. Yeah, and we don't fully understand why those dogs with SARD kind of look like dogs with Cushing's disease. It's weird. Some dogs with SARD don't have Cushionoid symptoms at all, and some SARD dogs with Cushionoid symptoms don't have typical changes we would expect with Cushionoid dogs on lab tests. Like in Bailey's case, we think the low-dose dexamethasone suppression test and ACTH stimulation test in those cases will be normal, even though the animal looks for all the world like it's got Cushing's disease. It's really weird. Hmm. Overall, I read in multiple sources that true Cushing's disease is rarely confirmed in SARD patients. Hmm. So how can we diagnose SARD? There are a few things that can be observed on examination of the eyes that can kind of tip us off. Um, so we'll see bilateral medriasis. We'll see a decreased or maybe absent pupillary light response. And we'll talk about uh, that here in just a few minutes. Absence of menace and dazzle reflexes. And then a funding <laughs> exam might be initially normal. But changes such as tipetal hyperreflectivity, vascular attenuation, and pallor of the optic disc might occur within several months. In one study, sex hormone assays showed sex hormone elevations in about 85% of the affected dogs, but we don't know why. Also, the sample size in that study was pretty small, so it might not be representative of the total population. Now, there is one main test for SARD, and that is an ERG. ERG stands for electroretinography. An electroretinogram measures the electrical response of the light-sensitive cells in the eye. Those are the rods and cones. This test can be used to confirm the diagnosis of SARD. On the ERG of a dog with SARD, there will be like a flat line, no electrical activity. The ERG is a functional assessment of the retina. It, it's not testing vision. The ERG is the only way to distinguish between SARD and retrobulbar optic neuritis, one of the differentials we mentioned earlier. One downside of this test, though, is that general anesthesia or sedation is required to perform it. Now, there's another test that is not really a definitive diagnosis, but it can give us a lot of information. It's called a chromatic PLR test. So we mentioned a PLR earlier. In 
private practice or, or even with the ophthalmologist, when they're doing a PLR, they're going to use the ophthalmoscope or a pin light, and that's got just regular white light. And in dogs with SARD, the white light might create a PLR that's decreased. But if you switch that to a red light, the PLR will be absent. That's because the red light stimulates cone photoreceptors, and an absent PLR is evidence of the loss of photoreceptor function, which is what SARD causes. Also, if you check the PLR with a blue light, it will often be normal, since the retinal ganglion cells are not initially affected by SARD. Now, this test is good because it doesn't require sedation, and it can be used in conjunction with an ERG to diagnose SARD. You probably can't diagnose SARD like with it alone. Say you had a dog you think has SARD, but also has like major other issues that would make anesthesia unlikely. This type of test could be used to say like, well, we probably think that that's what this is. Now, biopsy and histopathology uh, of the eye are not really used to diagnose this, but when they have been done in a select number of cases in the past, loss of photoreceptor outer segments has been seen. But again, this is not like we're not going to go biopsy Bailey's eye or anything like that. (laughs) That's just more like a side note, uh, academic interest sort of thing. (laughs) And then there's, did you hear that? It's getting real outside. Oh, is it? I hear a train. (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. We'll try to, we'll try to move it along. Ben, I feel confident that Ben will evacuate us if we have a major problem. Yeah, the power flickered here for a second. If I get struck by lightning through this microphone, I'm going to be mad at you, Ben. I'm going to haunt your ass. I feel like you're going to be okay. You're, everything's okay. going to be okay. Okay. So, <laughs> one other test is optical coherence tomography. And it's been performed in some dogs to evaluate retinal morphology. Uh, when this is done in all quadrants, thickness of the outer nuclear layer has been found, along with loss of definition of photoreceptors. Hmm. Now, JJ, mm-hmm. there are some signalment and breed predispositions for SARD. What are they? They are the Dotson, the Miniature Schnauzer, the Pug, Brittany Spaniel, Bichon Frise. Bichon Frise. Yep. <laughs> A uh, Beagle, Maltese, American Cocker Spaniel, Pomeranian, and the Shizu. Uh, the size of the dog may also be a predisposing factor. In one study, dogs weighing less than 25 pounds accounted for roughly 60% of reported cases. Most dogs with SARD are middle-aged. Most are spayed females, and affected dogs are usually overweight. Yeah, and unfortunately, there is no treatment for SARD. Um, well, at least not one that's clinically proven. So both mycophenolate, which is um, like an immune suppressant drug, mm-hmm. and steroids have been tried, but they have had no beneficial effect. But there are some supportive therapy measures to take to try to make dogs with SARD more comfortable. So patients may take a few weeks to months to adjust to vision loss since it's so sudden. They need time to memorize the environment and navigate well without their vision. So instruct clients to avoid rearranging furniture. Yes, side note, there's been several times where blind dogs have gotten injured and the owner didn't even know the dogs were blind because it had been gradual and they didn't know their uh, surroundings so well. And they move a piece of furniture and all of a sudden it's like, my dog is suddenly blind. Mm. And yeah, no, you just moved the couch and now they ran into the wall. (laughs) Oh, they adapt really well to being blind, though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Clients may need to place barriers like baby gates to cordon off stairs or other obstacles that could injure the pet. Pets should be kept confined in a fence when outdoors or on leash at all times. Never take a blind dog off leash without protection of a sturdy fence. And keep blind dogs away from bodies of water. One people don't often think about is the backyard pool. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if there's a gate around the pool, keep that sucker closed. So we know there's no treatment for SARD. Where does that leave us with prognosis? Well, as we mentioned earlier, the vision loss is permanent, so that won't get better. However, the systemic signs like polyuria and polydipsia often improve within a few months. There have been studies looking at the quality of life of patients with SARD. In one survey, 37% of owners of dogs with SARD said that their relationship with their pet actually improved after diagnosis. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in that uh, same survey, 95% of the owners would discourage euthanasia of SARD dogs. They felt that their quality of life was good. Typically, dogs with SARD do have a good prognosis regarding quality of life, and that's really the most important thing. Absolutely. JJ, what happened with our patient, Bailey? So Bailey did uh, visit the ophthalmologist and had the ERG test where they uh, had the flat line that you were talking about earlier. Oh. And so officially diagnosed with SARDs. They continued the thyroid medications because we had improvement on that. Um, It just so happened that Bailey has both SARDs and hypothyroidism. I was looking up to see if there was any sort of relationship between SARD and hypothyroidism, and I couldn't find any literature supporting supporting any sort of association. I think it's probably just a coincidence, like (laughs) Bailey has both, you know, Mm -hmm. and not that the hypothyroidism caused the SARD or anything like that. Mm. So certainly dogs with uh, SARD can be normal uh, and have a normal thyroid and and still have the weight gain and stuff like that because it's just part of the syndrome that we don't understand why. Yeah. So um, the owners pretty much adapted their uh, yard and pool uh, for Bailey and to accommodate the vision loss. Uh, they fenced in the pool and um, just kind of made sure that they didn't move any furniture and he continued to do well, even though he was no longer able to see. That's fantastic. I think SARD is a really good case to go over because, you know, you don't see it that often. And like, I maybe I was just out that day or like wasn't paying attention or something. But I really feel like I did not remember SARD at all from veterinary school, like at all. And one day about, I guess it's probably been six or seven years ago now, I saw a similar case come in and it was SARD, but I didn't recognize that that was what was happening right at first. I was like, what in the f- is going on with this dog? Like, <laughs> and I was searching, 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 like going through the ophthalmology textbooks, being like, like, I don't understand, like the symptoms in this dog don't make sense. And finally, I was searching on then. And I finally just typed in like just the right cluster of words and a bunch of stuff about SARD came up and I started reading it and I was like, holy crap, like this dog (laughs) has this like for sure. And then I was able to get him to the ophthalmologist and get it confirmed. But like I at the time I was like, what in the hell? Like, did they come up with a new disease? And I just didn't know. But like, you know, uh, sometimes like sometimes veterinary medicine is such a 
broad ranging topic and we're learning about every single type of animal and they're squeezing that all into four years and so like it's impossible to go over every single thing really in depth but like and i'm sure that they went over this at some point but like (laughs) i missed whatever whatever five minute conversation that was out of all the other stuff like i was just like what is this disease? I would have remembered a disease that makes you get fat and blind, and we don't know why. Like, that is so interesting. Anyway, hopefully we won't, one day we'll know. But um, another reason why this type of case makes me, like, excited. Excited is not 100% the right word, but you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. one of the ways that we can illustrate, like, we know a lot about the body, but we don't know everything. <laughs> There's probably twice as much that we don't understand. Like, for example, what in the world would cause a dog to get symptoms of Cushing's disease and gain weight and also go blind? But the brain is normal. The, you know, like we're not seeing signs of Cushing's disease, um, like endocrino- uh, endocrinologically. Like, what in the hell? <laughs> what in the hell? <laughs> it's yeah. just so crazy. I do kind of feel like endocrinology is such a. It's such a nightmare because it involves so many different parts of the body. Yeah. And apparently probably parts of the body that we don't know how oh, yeah. or why yet. Probably. And I mean, it's it's daunting a little bit mm-hmm. to think about all the different ways it can affect everything, especially when, you know, you have a couple of those issues and you're like, hmm, I don't know what came first, the Hashimoto's or the PCOS or... Did they work together to combine and form Voltron? I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> Voltron. So I think SARDS is one of, those, one of those opportunities to remind ourselves that we don't know everything mm-hmm. and that there, we still have a lot left to learn. So anyway. Yep. Okay. Well, um, that was kind of a short and sweet clinical case. I mean, not many differentials, pretty straightforward, good outcome. Um, but that's a fantastic type of case to have. Mm-hmm. And I think even though it's a shorter case, it's really good to highlight those because you're going to see cases of SARD in your practice. And now you won't have to frantically thumb through all of the books <laughs> and look on then. Now you're going to be like, oh, I heard this podcast one time about fat blind dogs. <laughs> that's Let's check it out. Let's get an ERG ordered up. Okay. Well, okay. Well, so we had some references for this episode. And so since we have time at the end of our episode, I'm going to go ahead and read those. So important references for this podcast episode include the Vencyclopedia of Diseases entry for sudden acquired retinal degeneration, a lecture from Ross University Small Animal Medicine 2 course that I found uh, online. The lecture was prepared by Dr. Wendy L. Yaffe, and the lecture was called Blindness and Diseases of the Retina and Optic Nerve, and it was published in 2004. So I also used proceedings from several veterinary conferences, the first is a talk called Ophthalmic Examination, which was given in 2011 by Thomas M. Donnelly. And that was at the Association of Exotic Mammals Veterinarians Annual Conference. And the next one was Sudden Onset Blindness at the British Small Animal Veterinary Congress in 2017. That one was presented by Ellison Bentley. The next one was Vision Loss in the Clear Canine Eye, presented at Western Veterinary Conference in 2012 by Mary B. Glaze. And finally, Acute Blindness 
from the Southwest Veterinary Symposium in 2018, and that was presented by Emily Sharp. So, JJ. Yep. We have a few minutes left. Before we say our favorite thing for the day, I want to just make sure everyone knows about this cat story from the condo collapse in Florida. JJ, have you heard about this? I heard somebody say something about a cat story, but I had to go back to working instead of stopping and listening to it. Rude. (laughs) Okay, well, so everybody knows, unfortunately, about the condominium collapse in, I think it's in Miami, right, JJ? Mm -hmm. Miami? Everyone pretty much has heard about that, I feel like. But it's, you know, it's a huge tragedy. And just I've been watching the news coverage just with my mouth on the floor, you know, and and it's just so sad, you know, Mm -hmm. and they have not found really any human survivors at all since like right at within a couple hours after the collapse occurred. After that, no human survivors at this time. And. People had been posting online like, hey, you know, what about the pets? And I was like, oh, like, I can't even think about, you know, like, I can't even mm-hmm. think about that. Like, the people is bad enough, but the <laughs> the animals for me is worse. I, know, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but anyway, like, <laughs> I, the animals I cannot handle. Similar to movies with animal death, I cannot watch them. Like, I just can't do it. So I'd been like, oh, we're going to close this article because I can't handle the thought of those animals being in there. But... This week, a cat was found who survived the collapse of the condominium. And he is a super cute black cat. His name is Binks, Mm -hmm. like from Hocus Pocus. (laughs) Which I still haven't seen. What? Damn it, JJ. (laughs) How have you still not? This is the best movie. And they're doing a remake. I mean, not a remake. They're doing a reboot. All the original cast is coming back. So you have to see Flippin' Hocus Pocus before that comes out. This is, I mean, this is essential watching. Yeah. It's it's on the agenda. (laughs) But anyway, so... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The ever-long agenda. Ever-long agenda, yeah. Well, this kitty cat... uh, So the area is home to lots of, like, stray and homeless cats, like any urban population. And there are groups of volunteers that help maintain, like, the cat population and feed them and trap them and stuff like that. But suddenly there was a new cat hanging around, and they're like, who the hell is this cat? And the cat would be constantly, like, in the rubble walking around and was trying to leap into the arms of the volunteers searching the rubble. And constantly mooing, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, one of the volunteers was like, I think I've seen a flyer of this cat someplace. And then she went and looked at the flyer and she was like, no, it's probably not this cat because the photo on the flyer is doesn't have a tipped ear. And this cat clearly has a tipped ear. So like it can't be the same cat, you know. Mm-hmm. And so. Then the cat was like, still there, still there, very, you're still acting like it definitely belonged to someone. She's like, well, you know, even if it's not that cat, it's maybe somebody's cat. So they successfully trapped him and then got him taken up, you know, to the shelter to, to be housed and fed and everything. And then she eventually did reach out to um, the people that had put that flyer up and was like, hey, I know it's probably not your cat. Okay. But It just looks so much like him in the face and everything. It's just, you know, he doesn't have the tipped ear. And they were like, he does have a tipped ear. The photo was taken before it was tipped. And so then they started getting excited. And the um, 
the surviving family member who wasn't home at the time. The, so two of the family members survived the immediate crash mm-hmm. and were pulled and they are like obviously still in the hospital. But the, but a third family member wasn't home at the time, one of the daughters. And so mm-hmm. she went to the shelter, saw him and was like, this is definitely our cat because he's got like a couple of specific scars and things like that going on. And so they found him. Yay. And I was so excited. He didn't wow. have a microchip, though. So I think it's a good opportunity to remind everyone, like, you don't know what bullshit might happen in your life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely have your animals microchipped. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even if they don't go outside, they may find themselves outside. For sure. Accidentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, last night I was reading the article um, and I was like, Car- Carl came home and he was like, have you heard about Binks? And I was like, yes, I've heard about Binks. <laughs> and he was telling me like some additional details. So I looked up the newest article and read it. And by the end, I was like, had like tears, like just scream- streaming down my face. And I was like, oh, Binks. So <laughs> anyway, I just wanted though. I thought everyone should know. Okay. Well, now that we've talked about something super sad, let's talk about our happy thing for the week, JJ. What is your happy thing? Uh balls hang on let me think okay okay so uh when i was at one of my recent family gatherings one of my cousins actually said that she had listened to the podcast oh and liked it and i was pleasantly surprised because i don't know most of my family is not really into veterinary medicine it just i don't know it struck me as oh Great. Someone has taken a, an interest in this world. And so, hi, Amy. If you're still <laughs> hey, listening Amy, to any what's of shows, thank you for, <laughs> for taking a, a, a listen. And if you continue to do so, I hope you like what you hear. JJ, I know of a happy thing that's happened to you that you told me about yesterday. Oh, hell, what's that? Where you want to tell the story? I mean, you definitely not use names or anything, but like of you saying like some advice. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then they were like, is that what therapy gets for you? And you were like, girl, yeah. And then you had like (laughs) a whole fucking posse of people that you referred to therapy. (laughs) Yes. So I recently had a coworker that works in a different department come up and was just kind of venting about some difficulties she was having with some of the coworkers, just mainly trying to herd cats. And she was. Did you say herd cats? Yes. Like uh, it's an impossible task. Is that what you mean? Kind of. Yeah. You know, she is not the department lead, mm-hmm. and the department lead was um, unavailable that day. I got gotcha. you. So she was kind of trying to do her job and kind of make sure a couple of new ones were doing theirs as well and just kind of get everybody on the same page and do what they're supposed to do and was having a little bit of difficulty and was just kind of frustrated because she was just like, you know, I just want them to basically do what I do. And I was like, let me tell you what my therapist told me. You can't expect yourself out of other people. (laughs) I have to remind myself every hour of that. Uh Yeah. So, and she just kind of stared at me for a second and it was just like, wow, that's, that's, wow. It just seemed, I don't know. But I mean, I remember when my therapist told me that I kind of had a bit of a similar, I was like, huh, that's okay. 
I I can get that and that will help me. But she had a more kind of dramatic reaction. And a little while later, one of the another girl from another department had come up and said that she told me what you said. And I needed to hear that today that thank you so much. And I was like, man, we're having like little mini breakthroughs all throughout the hospital yeah. today. So it was kind of funny that um, all that went down. <laughs> I was like, I'm not Gandhi. Y'all calm down. I just go to therapy here. I'm a walking advertisement. Go to therapy. You too will get slogans. I need to put that on a t-shirt and just walk around with it. Wait, put what? I'm not Gandhi? No. Oh. <laughs> Definitely not Gandhi, though. Uh, no, that you can't expect yourself out of other people. Oh, we should put that on an introvert's shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. What? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a whole topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'll go ahead and tell the story. Essentially, I've been working, um, seems like, endlessly on trying to figure out how to get merch for the podcast. Because at this point, I just want it personally, you know? Like, right, me too. And um, I reached out to a local t-shirt company that I've, like, worked with in the past. And I was like, yeah, like, I've done this before. I've sold dance team shirts. I've put shirts together in college, in vet school. Like, I've done the t-shirt ordering thing. Like, I flip and know how to order t-shirts, design them, get them to, like, I know how to do it. And I'm like, no sweat. But then the other day, I suddenly somehow realized, like... Oh, but wait, this is a problem because you have to actually get the shirts to the people that want them and they don't live in your town. <laughs> I mean, some of them do, but some of them live in Australia or the United <laughs> Kingdom or mm -hmm. Virginia. Like we have a weird high number of pe listeners from Virginia. Like what? I don't even know. I don't even know anyone in Virginia. I don't know how that happened, but like. I can't Hi, I don't you. just right like in all my other things I'm like I got this like I'm gonna order the shirts and like come with the box and then we're all gonna give them out but I'm like that's not gonna work I don't think unless we have a centralized <laughs> conference and uh, we do not have the um <laughs> the financial power to do that yep. we we currently <laughs> we currently pay other people so that you can listen to this podcast no one pays <laughs> us it's an opposite situation we actually spend money on this hobby mm -hmm. so like this is not gonna work so then i was sitting there like what the fuck how am i supposed to do this and because the t-shirt people had emailed me back and been like i was like i think this design looks great we just would want to tweak it and maybe add like a slogan or something but i like this and they're like great you <laughs> uh have you thought about like how are you going to distribute them and i was like uh no actually <laughs> not fucking thought about it at all and then they were like oh well no worries we handled that for you and here's the stuff and i was like oh that sounds great and then they're like but there is a 500 t-shirt minimum to do this service and i'm like oh yeah i don't Act. think that's gonna work <laughs> right, right. uh i don't think that i can front the money for 500 t-shirts <laughs> So anyway, I'm currently still trying to work out, like, how can we make this happen? It might be a lot of uh, JJ and, and me stuffing envelopes and mailing them. But anyway. Lord Sorry. Jesus. So that's a quick t-shirt update situation. It's not that we're not working on it. It's that it was more difficult than I ever imagined or thought about. <laughs> Whoops. My fault. Uh, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. 
in between us both working full time and going to school and building a house and all the shit we're doing. We'll also figure that out. No sweat. Eh, maybe I. Okay. Sorry. That was, here we are yet again, a negative thing. That was not my good thing. Let me think about my good thing. <laughs> um, One of my nieces, uh, well, actually, several of my nieces have had birthdays recently. And um, they are all growing up to be uh, super uh, sweet uh, young ladies. And one of my brother's oldest girl was one of the ones that had a birthday recently. And she... um. <laughs> She got her hair dyed like a mermaid <laughs> with beautiful colors, you know, and um, they put the photo on Facebook and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, she looks so grown up. You know, she's eight. Well, it's hard to believe. I remembered a, a time when she was very young. Actually, I think it was maybe when I was keeping her when her sister was being born in the hospital. Me and my mom were keeping her for the day. And at that time, I had pink like peekaboo highlights in my hair. And she looked at me and was like, Lala, she calls me Lala. Everyone calls me Lala. She's like, Lala, when will I grow pink hair? And I said, well, you will grow pink hair. Um, hmm. You, pink hair is something that you can choose to have when you're older. And she thought about that for a minute. And she said, with magic. And I was like, yep, with magic. <laughs> And that just reminded the photo of her with all that colored hair reminded me of that interaction that we'd had. And I was thinking, like, she got old enough to use magic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> She's so proud of it. <laughs> Is this the same one that had the skittle in the nose? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same niece as the infamous skittle in the nose video. That's exactly right. <laughs> One in the same. She mm -hmm. likes bright colors. What can I say? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, if you have stories, questions, cases, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send them to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. We're on social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.